OHSU Health is responding to Oregon Governor Kate Brown's order, allowing non-emergent surgeries and procedures to resume. Because COVID-19 is not behind us, this can only happen with careful planning and precautions for continued safety. It's Tuesday, May 5th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Josh Anderson. Jennifer Smith spoke with Dr. John Hunter to learn more about the phased plan for OHSU Health. I'm sitting here virtually today with Dr. John Hunter, CEO of OHSU Health. Thank you, Dr. Hunter, for sitting with us today. We're here to talk about the phased resumption of services for OHSU Health and how we're sort of, you know, after the great sacrifices Oregonians have made to slow the curve of COVID-19, beginning to ramp back up into some semblance of normal. But before we dive in, I wanted to just ask you, you know, COVID-19 has changed the way we interact with each other personally and professionally on every level, certainly every day, everybody's sort of adjusting to a new normal for work as well. What has brought you comfort during this challenging time? Thanks for the question. And I think there's sort of two elements to that. One is personal and the other is professional. And so let me start with the professional. And and I've been just thrilled the way that people have dug into the work, given the fact that we had no prior knowledge of what was going to happen or what to expect. The imagination and innovation uh, that occurred and then take, you know, 10 weeks or five months for us to move on, that, that we moved very quickly once we got to a consensus position, something was a really good thing to do. And example of that uh, was that we, uh, every health system was setting up tents uh, outside uh, somewhere to triage patients with presumed uh, COVID infection. Um, we didn't really have a parking lot of size enough to do that, but we saw a piece of our hospital that was not heavily utilized our and, and especially not during this time period, which is our, our 8B60 auditorium. And we changed that into a, within, within a week into a triage area with negative airflow, with the ability to do some point of service testing. I mean, it's, it was just remarkable the amount of, of, uh, of coordinated work uh, that occurred in a very short period of time. One more professional reflection, and that is that the uh, use of uh, video conferencing has been surprisingly successful. We uh, worried that without the ability to look at each other across the table or you know, reach out and shake a hand, that that would be problematic. And it really hasn't been. I think we've accomplished a lot in terms of making decisions and moving the organization along with video conferencing. So personally, I, you know, again, <laughs> There's a, there's a running joke that many of you have heard about spending time with your family and how, how that can be challenging. I've really enjoyed it. I, the ability, my daughter's back from college um, and doing her cl classes at the University of Oregon online this term. Um, and it's just been wonderful to have the family together. We, we do take walks in the afternoon to get a little exercise and get some fresh air. It, it's, been, it's been surprisingly good. I do look forward to getting back to work. I do look forward to looking at people, at people across the table and, and, and coming to decisions together. But I, I, it's, uh, this has been surprisingly uh, good in so many, many ways. 
Great. And, you know, as I mentioned, that due to the sacrifices Oregonians have made, we our state has really flattened the curve. But we're beginning to talk about some semblance of normal now. So words are really important in that conversation. Why do you think that? A lot of people have talked about reopening the state of Oregon, including our governor. And, and to a certain extent, that makes sense for the state because the state did, in many respects, close down. We never closed down. We uh, ran a hospital census of about two-thirds of what we normally run. Uh, we were doing no elective surgeries and many fewer surgeries in general, but we still did about 35% of the number of operations that we were doing before COVID. So reopening doesn't make sense because we were never closed. Uh, others have suggested titles such as we reawakening, but reawakening suggested we were asleep and we were anything but asleep. We were working assiduously towards the goal of main, managing a surge of patients. And, and reemergence was another one that was suggested, but that again suggests that we were hidden. We were never hidden. We were very much engaged for the state, very much engaged with the governor's office, with the OHA, with our colleagues in other health systems, with our community. Uh, to provide care to the patients and to work collaboratively with other health systems around the state to really stand up capacity to manage a surge. When we asked colleagues at the town hall last week, suggest some names, uh, we got were 20 great suggestions and narrowed it to three finalists, uh, which were reimagine OHSU, renew OHSU, or OHSU onward. Of those three, I think they would all have been great but OHSU got about two thirds of the votes. So we have elected to use this. And I think to me, that really is a wonderful descriptor of what we're doing. It, it really parallels what the foundation has been doing uh, with their $2 billion capital campaign over the last few years. But it also uh, suggests that we are moving really into a new frontier, a new normal that we really didn't know, but it, but it, gives us an opportunity for growth. It gives us an opportunity to be innovative, to be imaginative. So we're pleased to use that and as a descriptor for how we move forward. So what should OHSU members in healthcare expect as services begin to ramp back up? I think this will be very interesting for our providers in many different respects. Uh, the first is that all of us have learned different ways to work over the course of the last six months. Many people are doing virtual visits rather than in-person visits. People have gotten used to a schedule that might be a little bit lighter than the, than the feverish pace at which they were working. And so as, as clinicians come back to work, I think that they will be working differently. I hope I would say that they'd be working smarter. I'm not sure they can work a lot harder because we were all working so very hard before. I think that, that the opportunities and the learnings that we've gained uh, from, from this time period needs to be sort of baked into our processes, processes of care, our processes of work. And this, the second thing I think is that this is not a pandemic that's over as we go back to work. We know that COVID will be with us for some long time to come. Many people have speculated 18 to 24 months. So we're in a position of learning how to live with COVID. So the, the things that are important in avoiding a second surge will be important for some time. And that includes things like physical distancing, it includes things like personal protective equipment and masks. We'll probably be wearing masks for quite some time. Installing plexiglass to su support our frontline uh, individuals who interface with the public. 
spreading our tables out in the cafeteria, re-engineering our workstations, re-engineering our call rooms, re-engineering so much of what we do uh, for our residents and, and nurses and, and others is ongoing and uh, will be a focus of our attention to make sure that we provide an environment that is safe for our staff and, and that we are able to describe that to our, our patients such that they have courage and confidence in the safety of the health system. And of course, Governor Kate Brown gave an order to allow healthcare facilities to do non-urgent surgeries and procedures beginning May 1st. So what does this mean for OHSU Health? I mean, a lot of what you said will be true, but can you speak a little bit about the process of ramping up non-elective procedures? There is certainly a backlog of, of canceled cases. We'll be under an order to resume the non-urgent surgery, that is the elective surgery, at about 50% of what it was before. So that won't allow us initially to start to clear out our backlog or, or to efficiently clear out our backlog. We will certainly start to do so. And as such, we'll uh, prioritize the urgency of the situation. And, and our perioperative team doing a great job uh, at triaging uh, such that we bring the patients who are in most need in first. I think one of the other things, and this goes to sort of the public opinion, is that we still are under a restricted visitor policy. So individual coming in for surgery won't have visitors. And other things have resulted in patients being a little reluctant to come in initially. And in fact, a public opinion poll, which I saw yesterday, suggested that Many people in the public may be interested in waiting for as long as three more months before coming in. So I think one of the things our, our faculty and staff and clinicians need to anticipate is that it might be a little bit slower uh, in starting up than they, than they think. And some of those folks that were canceled may not want to come in right away. But that, I, don't, I think they should not take that personally, but only see that as a reflection of the public's desire to let a little more time pass before they jump back into to healthcare. So as you said, we're hearing from our, you know, infectious disease experts that we might have to learn to live with coronavirus or COVID-19 for a while until a vaccine is developed. How will OHSU Health continue to serve the community even after the worst is behind us? I think that how we practice will be different. And I alluded to that earlier, but for one, uh, we are, deeply involved in community efforts to provide outreach to the most vulnerable populations uh, who sometimes can't actually get to healthcare. Uh, and, and if they're ill, of course, we don't necessarily want them to come into a facility. So having mobile testing, uh, which will allow us to test symptomatic patients. But even further, I think we're, we will be engaged with the state in a program of surveillance to try to determine what are especially in the most vulnerable populations, those in congregate living, such as nursing home, which demonic uh, patients are carriers? Uh, what is the population at risk? How do we cohort patients to avoid huge outbreaks in, in uh, skilled nursing facilities? So we'll, we'll, we'll be engaging with the OHA and with the governor's office in ways I think we never have before um, in the public health efforts to prevent uh, recurrence and resurgence uh, of COVID. Clearly, we'll be reliant more on virtual visits than we have before this 
So a lot of the digital transformation that has occurred will not be lost. It may allow us to serve patients better if we can connect with them as soon as the referral comes in rather than waiting for two weeks to three months for them to get in for their first clinic visit. I've heard you say that COVID-19 has impacted your work and the way we work more than anything else in your career. Can you explain that? You know, we've had a number of things over the course of my career that has uh, have influenced work. The recession clearly is one of those uh, from the 2008 era, but they tend to really affect one aspect of our work. This one has affected at least three different domains. The domain of clinical care, of course, uh, the domain of administration, um, and the domain of finance, which I think we are aware has been nothing short of catastrophic because we have not seen the surge of COVID that we expected, and therefore our health system revenues have plummeted. But going back to the first one, I think the administrative part has worked out quite well. We've really maintained our contact through video conferencing, and we've been able to make decisions rapidly and effectively and move the institution along. We have been providing care. As I said earlier, we've been providing the most essential care. But we have noticed that people have have not come in. The emergency room is down. Uh, We've seen fewer MIs and fewer strokes. And and I really... do believe that people are staying home when they have concerns that we we need to address. And I think that's an issue. Certainly the environment of care is gonna change. We'll be wearing masks. We will have protection uh, at the check-in stations for our uh, community-facing colleagues who check people in. Uh, We'll have physical distancing. And then lastly, I think the finances, will impact a lot of our our new projects that that we've anticipated. We're taking a look at almost all our capital spending uh, to try to determine what things we can and should do immediately or need to do immediately and which things we can pause on. Um, And and the community heard from uh, Dr. Jacobs and Mr. Fernstall uh, earlier, uh, that there will be um, a need to reduce uh, compensation Right. And, you know, related to the financial, incredible financial impact of this situation, what do you tell a provider or a staff member who is worried about their job right now? OHSU has demonstrated um, its commitment to its people. Dr. Jacobs has said frequently, people first, mission always, and that we did not do salary cuts or furloughs or layoffs in the till June 30th is an example of that, where most other health systems really had acted uh, earlier in that regard. The measures that have been taken have been designed to preserve jobs. Uh, by reducing salaries, we have a lot more runway uh, to keep the institution going and avoid layoffs, which is really our, one of our primary objectives. During these extraordinary times, we've also seen some bright spots. You've mentioned a few of those. Are there any other bright spots that you're finding during these times? First, I'd like to hit on sort of the collective piece, and that is that people have pulled together to get stuff done. Silos have been broken down. Groups that didn't even ever know each other are working side by side. An example of that is I I never knew Mike McCaffrey, who runs our supply chain. Now I know him intimately because he's in charge of P3 
PPE, and uh, which uh, is you know, fundamental for maintaining safety. So it's been a great opportunity to show what OHSU can do, so what dedicated individuals can do by pulling together. So that's the first. The second is I have just been blown away by the individual sacrifices that people are willing to make uh, for the good of the whole. And I'm just going to give you one example of that, which is that uh, we uh, suggested at the leadership level that the salary reduction for unclassified administrators, otherwise known as UA, UAs would kick in on the 1st of July, uh, but the faculty salary reductions wouldn't kick into the 1st of October when we had a new compensation plan. Academic departments in the School of Medicine came together and said, that, that isn't fair to our administrators. Why should they take a pay cut when we're not taking a pay cut? And so the, the faculty stepped forward and said, you know, we, we want to we want to support our administrators. We want to be treated the same. We're, we're on the same timeline. That, that's a huge individual sacrifice. And I can give you another 10 examples of individuals who said, you know what, I, I can take a pay cut. That's, uh, I don't need that because I, I want to support the people I work with. That, that's huge. And that's very, that's very intimate. So true. We've really come together as a community during this hard time. So. Well, Dr. Hunter, thank you again for recording with me today and appreciate all your insights during this time. Jennifer, it's been a pleasure. And I really enjoyed working with you and with your communications team. This, this is a team that has really been called to do triple duty. And the, the, I remember very early uh, in this cycle when I was getting bombarded by requests uh, that we hold a town hall um, and I thought it was sort of ironic because, of course, the, the image of a town hall that I always had was people sitting side by side. I said, well, that's, that, that actually would not be a good idea in the COVID crisis. And the, our, our communications team started really pumping out information that the community needed, really taking the, the, the high demand uh, off the table. But nonetheless, uh, when we did start having town halls, we did them virtually. And as I understand it, there have been anywhere from 1,000 to 4,000 people signed into these things, many more than would have come should we have done them in person. So I think, again, it goes to the point of us learning a lot. It goes to the point of how our innovation uh, in the communications sector uh, has, has really tied us together and held us together as a community through this crisis. Thank you so much. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Jennifer Smith and edited by me. I'm Josh Anderson. Thanks for joining us.